It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 707 and 73 degrees outside. Possibility of storms this afternoon. That is great news. I did get some rain at my house this past week, and I have my own little weather station behind the house, so I can see that I got 1.4 inches of rain in three days this past week, which made me feel really good that I can do that. By the way, if you're curious about weather that's really local, you know how these storms around Atlanta sort of pop up here and pop up there, and your neighbor a mile or two down the road gets rain, and you don't get any, and then maybe you get some and they don't get any, and you're wondering how much you get. There are a number of little electronic weather stations that are scattered all and by a number, I mean like hundreds, of these little electronic weather stations that are scattered all over Atlanta that are operated by private citizens, you and me, who just have a curiosity about the weather. And I bought one for myself uh, a couple of months ago now and put it in my backyard to see how much rain I was getting when my neighbor down the road <laughs> wasn't getting anything. And these are really nice. They're accessible to the public. Anybody can go and see what you got in your neighborhood. It's called the Weather Underground. Weather Underground. Just type that into Google, Weather Underground. They sometimes abbreviated the Wonderground. And the Weather Underground has stations throughout the state, and you just find the one near your house and poke that one, and it comes up with the humidity and the temperature and the rainfall and dew point and pressure and all the other things that weather people like to know about. But it mainly tells me about the rainfall, and that's what I want to hear. But Weather Underground is how I keep up with weather in my neighborhood and weather in other parts of the metro Atlanta area. Aaron is up in Sharpsburg, or I should say down in Sharpsburg, and Aaron joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Aaron, good morning. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. What's up? Uh, I was just asking. I took four years of uh, horticulture in high school. Yeah. Um, I went to a school in Fayette County, and they had a good program. And I just wanted to further my education. I'm kind of at a crossroads trying to find what I want to do. Yeah, sure. And I've always loved that, but I couldn't drive to ABAC or UGA's campus. So I wanted to know if there's any local metro Atlanta schools. Oh, or... yeah, man. Right there in Griffin. Griffin's right there across the hill from you. Yeah, that's the UGA satellite campus, right? Sure, yeah. Is that too far away from Sharpsburg? No, it's not. It's like um, 40 minutes away. I actually used to live in Griffin. Yeah, well, hey, man, go to Griffin. Go there. You can commute there pretty easily. I mean, I know it's a little bit of a drag to go over the go over the highway um, over, but Griffin has a huge number of undergrad and a couple of grad programs there in horticulture. And the great thing, I think, about the Griffin campus is they have such a wide variety. It's not all ag stuff where you learn about cotton production and peanut production and peach production and stuff like that, but there are a bunch of... And food safety, which is an ag program. You have um, environmental economics, which is an economics program. You've got engineering, the engineering part of it. And so you have pretty much a wide variety of classes to choose from. And so if you like horticulture, but you don't necessarily want to be digging holes in the, in the ground for the rest of your life, you get a pretty good exposure to a lot of different career opportunities by going to the Griffin campus for at least, at least a semester or two just to get your feet wet in the College of Agriculture Studies yeah, that's Track. what I wanted to do, and um, I know that, you know, I'm going to live in the Peachtree City, Noonan area, you know, it's a nice area, yeah, sure. and uh, I want something I could actually use to further, I do remodel and stuff like that, but I want to offer landscape design management, you know, stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, man, oh, great, Aaron, that's terrific, that's terrific. 
And I think that would be, you know, I, I think the certification, or not just certification, but a degree would, you know, just show people you really know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, they also have the professional landscape, certi- the certified professional landscaper uh, courses taught there at Griffin. <laughs> so you could do that too if you wanted to. So there's a bunch of stuff <laughs> to there. That's neat. Well, I appreciate it. Let Thank me you give you, let me give you a name of somebody to uh, contact down there, Aaron. Uh, my okay. friend, my friend Sharon Dowdy, D O W D Y. Sharon Dowdy is she's the um, public relations and news person who writes articles about what's going on at the Griffin campus. But she has her, she has her antenna out that she knows what's going on in all corners of the campus. And even though she's not the student recruitment uh, specialist down there, Sharon would know what's going on. So you talk to Sharon and say, "Hey, Sharon Dowdy, Sharon Dowdy, yeah, tell her I, I said hey." It. All right, Aaron. Good luck with it. Let me know in a couple of years what you decide. Yes, sir. Thank All you. Right. See you, Aaron. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Jeff is in Noonan, Georgia, not too far from Sharpsburg. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey, man, what's up? I've got a gentle slope leading down from my house to some woodland. It's about 40 feet from the house to the beginning of the woods, and Right at the start of them, there's two uh, 40, 50-foot-tall trees. And I guess over the last decade, uh, the soil has run off combination of rain and me not doing enough to take care of the grass. Yeah. And there's tree roots out there that come halfway to the house, <laughs> about four inches around some of them. So they're up above the ground, sounds like. Yeah, they're it's not completely above the ground, but it's like if you were to drop the blade on the lawnmower the whole way, you would probably get stuck. Right. Going across there. <laughs> and you make a big noise too, and probably ruin yeah. the lawnmower as well. So yeah, sure. So what's your so what's I'll, your question about it then, Jeff? Yeah. So I, I've read that if you bring in soil to try and reclaim land like that, you you run the risk of smothering the trees, killing the trees. Um, so I'm pretty much okay with giving up that part of the, the yard to the trees, but what I'm concerned about is how long is it going to be before those roots come the other half of the distance to the patio? Well, I mean, I'm, to give you the first good news, it's not exactly true that you'll smother the roots of the tree if you bring soil in. Yeah, if you bring in two feet of soil and cover the roots, that's not a good thing. But the roots are only sticking above ground, what, four or five inches, maybe? No big deal there. And so if you wanted to, you could get some real good quality topsoil, not just clay dirt from somewhere where the land grader put it into a truck and take it to your house. You get some good quality commercial topsoil and put it on top of the ground, and that's not going to hurt the roots at all. You can level things up, and if you need to plant some shade-loving things, some hosta and ferns and stuff back in the, in the shade, you could do that if you wanted to, or monkey grass or mondo grass or things that love being in the shade. You could do that, and you wouldn't have to mow number one, and you could have some soil back there so the roots aren't just all tangled up and ugly looking there. That's a good thing to do. You could cover the whole area with mulch if you wanted to get some chips from the, from the tree company and just cover the whole area with mulch, and that would hide the roots pretty well. Um, there are other options besides trying to just give it over to, to shade, as you say. And the roots are not going to come up and attack your patio because they get smaller and smaller. As you notice, they get smaller and smaller as they go away from the tree. And so they're not going to crawl underneath the patio and 
crack your patio or anything like that because there's just nothing really under the patio that a root tree root needs. It doesn't need moisture. It doesn't find moisture underneath there usually. It just finds a dry area, which is not a tree root environment. Well, that you're stunned great. there, Jeff. <laughs> you're still there. <laughs> no, I was pondering that. Yeah, so that sounds great. I mean, it sounds like either way. Um, I should be okay and not have to worry about. Yeah, I don't think the patio the is. I don't think the patio is in danger, and I think there's ways of putting soil if you want to, or mulch if you choose to do that. Either way, underneath okay. the trees and make it a do that and call it a day and let it be pretty. Thanks so much, Walter. You bet, Jeff. Thanks for calling. Good question. Enjoyed the conversation. Janet is in Decatur, and Janet joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Janet. Good morning. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. How can I help? Well, I have this flower bed that's been overgrown for a few years. It's got weeds and and Bermuda grass in it and stuff. And I'm going to round up it because mm-hmm. I've got some. I actually did root some hydrangeas myself, along with the other lady that called awesome. earlier. Good, good, good. I don't know her, but anyway, but <clears throat> anyway. So I want to put them in there and and a, and some flowers, you know, like pansies and stuff like that from the nursery. Mm-hmm. Um, this fall, and um, when, when I round up it, how long after I round up and kill everything can I put potted, you know, take my stuff out of the pots, put them in the ground? And the label says seven days. And seven I'm, days, okay. Yeah, then, I've done right. that myself successfully dozens of times. So round okay, up so an area really to kill the grass, days. kill the plants, kill the weeds, and then dig it up and put the plants in. No right. observable damage at all to the plants. Right. Okay. Good. All right. Thank you so much. Let me let me tell you why Roundup does what it does, Janet. It'll help you feel a little bit more comfortable putting a chemical down and then putting down plants immediately within seven days thereafter. Um, the way Roundup works is it well, you don't need to know really how it works in a, in a plant, but basically it attacks a protein that plants have and humans don't. So that's why Roundup is considered pretty close to non-toxic to mammals and birds and humans and things like that. But more importantly. The Roundup molecule is very polar, which means that one end is the negative charge, the other end is a positive charge. And when it hits soil, the soil immediately starts breaking up those polar bonds. It just starts popping them apart. And for that reason, Roundup is considered to be just about inactivated when it contacts soil. Contacting a plant leaf, that's different. That's when it starts attacking the protein manufacturer in the plant leaf, and that's why it kills weeds and grass and stuff like that. But when it hits the soil, it starts being inactivated. It not only is inactivated by soil chemical bonds, but also by water will dissolve it and make it break apart. And also sunshine breaks it apart. And so you have three different things all working together to break apart Roundup so quickly. That's why the label says it can be, you know, planted after uh, seven days and works just fine. Okay, great. Okay, doke. Thank you. Nothing to it. Thanks for calling, Janet. Bye-bye. It is 718. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. I'm gonna dig down in the dirt, get it all over my skin. Up with the birds, do it all over again. Dig down, dig down, way, way down in the ground. Ooh, I like that song. Thank you, Scott. Karen, Karen Savoka there. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. 
Relatively cooler temperatures moving into the Atlanta area this weekend, bringing some relief from the heat. Cloudy skies today, 60% chance of showers throughout the day. Afternoon highs only in the upper 80s. Pretty much the same story during the overnight hour with the lows dropping down to the low 70s. For in-depth news coverage, don't forget tomorrow is your Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and you can get that as well as get $196 worth of coupon savings tomorrow from your Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Ben is in Gwinnett County and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gwen. Good morning. Hey, Ben. Good morning. What can I do for you? Uh, yeah, uh, late last spring I saw a, what I thought was a butterfly bush. Uh, the lower limbs had been cut off, and there was a big top, top knot of beautiful blooms, kind of a, a lavender color. Yeah. The next time I went, uh, the, the lower limbs had grown out, and uh, the... Uh, Seed pods had begun to form, and I pulled off uh, uh, one of the pods and opened it up, and the seed, the immature seed, was the size of like a sugar pea. So that's like a chase tree, I believe is the name of it. Vitae, chase chase tree, sure. I I made a picture and sent it to the Georgia Gwinnett Extension Service, and they identified it as a chase tree. So, what's your question? I've got a lot of seed, and I'm wondering, <laughs> do I uh, stratify? Is that the word? That's stratify? the right word. Good, in good. The refrigerator. Good vocabulary. But, you know, you don't have to do it in the refrigerator, honestly. Just put them in the ground. Is stratification enough, Ben? All um, right. If I were you, I'd find a little place that has some sun in the wintertime and draw a line, draw a little furrow about two inches deep and six feet long and drop those seeds, boom, 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 about three inches apart from each other and now, see what happens. They will sprout. I think about two or three inches, no, two inches deep is about all you have to have. Two inches deep. Yeah, two inches deep, six feet long, put the seeds about three inches apart from each other and cover it over with dirt, pat it down good, water it. Next to April. Next April is when you'll see the sprouts come up, I think. And if you don't get about 80% germination, I'll be disappointed. Those chase tree seeds usually sprout pretty well. So I'd say wait for them next April. You'll have a bunch of chase trees that spread around the landscape. It's 728. Back to more lawn and garden after news. The Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 736 and 73 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your landscape. If you have one less weed or one more flower, if you just want something that'll help you to be better and happier in your landscape, I'm the guy to help you with it. 404-872-0750. And if a plant in your landscape makes you unhappy, 
then we call that a weed. And Ashley Frasca comes in with a little small frown on her face every week with a little weed that she found in her landscape, or a little plant, I should say, that she found in her landscape. And so what is the plant you found this week, Ashley? Like you said, one less weed. That's what I want. I want 10 less weeds. But <laughs> over time, we've, we've covered a lot of these. So this yeah. one was growing up. I have a really pretty camellia tree. It's not even a bush form, but... It was so obvious to see this vine coming through it because yeah. that has such dark green kind of waxy leaves. And yeah. here's this neon green, pretty broadleaf vine crawling up through it. And it had a funny shape to it. And you said it's a muscadine vine. It so is. now that bums me out. I don't want to cut it. But if it's a wild muscadine, it'll have little bitty grapes on it about big as the end of your little finger. That'll hardly ever be able to be harvested and eaten. And it's going to climb over your over your camellia and choke it out. And that, to me, is an unhappy plant, or a plant that makes the gardener unhappy. So if it's just wild, I shouldn't bother trying to transplant it. It's not going to be normal muscadines. It's not going to make you anything you want to eat, and I would pull it up and get it out of there. And a lot of people have wild muscadines like this that pop up. I do certainly in my landscape, pop up all over the place, and I just pull them out. There's no need to keep them or transplant them because they're never going to give me anything that I want. So that'll be pretty easy just to pull it out. And I see it, you know, where it originates from, kind of back in the woods. It's pretty twisty. It's twisted up through a lot of things. So birds can eat the seeds, possums eat the seeds, they drop the seeds, and that's how it gets scattered in the landscape. But again, if it doesn't make you particularly happy, and I promise it will not usually make you happy, then pull it out. Get rid of it. Perfect. Well, I took a good picture. Like I said, you can see it stand out against the uh, camellia tree. So folks, go to wsbradio.com. And when they search Weed of the Week or go to your page on WSBradio.com, they can see that in the photo album of the entire Weed of the Week collection. We've started since March. 20, how many? 22 now? 22 or 23 pictures. Wow, look at us. 23 weeds from Ashley's lawn. (laughs) She was worried that she would have five. That's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Again, wsvradio.com and type in Weed of the Week in the search line. You see all the weeds that Ashley has harvested in her own landscape. Barry is in Canton, Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Barry, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I wish I would have called you at the end of June, though. What happened? I decided to plant some K31 lawn seed in my yard. Oh, yeah. Okay. And um, it just took off so beautifully. I watered it uh, 10 minutes, you know, everything on the schedule in the program uh, twice a day, did everything I'd read, and it was beautiful, and then it slowly died. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm trying to figure out what plan B is, and when do I start plan B, and what the heck do I do with all of these weeds that are now on my lawn? (laughs) Give them to Ashley. Actually, these four weeds. <laughs> and you don't live far from her either, uh, uh, Barry, because she lives near Woodstock, and so y'all are oh, right okay. over the hill. Um, so you're right. Kentucky 31 fescue, K31 fescue, planted in the middle of the summertime. Easy to get started, hard to keep it going because it's so hot. It's a cool season grass, and when I've mentioned before, when temperatures get above 90 degrees, Kentucky 31 says, bye-bye, see you later. <laughs> it is gone. No matter how much you water, no matter how much care you give to it, it's just not established in time and doesn't have a deep enough root system in time to really keep itself going for the hot part of the summer in July. So here we are. It's uh, August, almost September, and the good news is it is almost time to plant 
Kentucky 31, or better for me would be one of the blended fescue, tall fescue brands. There's Rebel Supreme. Pike has a nice uh, Pike uh, fescue blend. There's several superior, I think, fescue seed blends you could consider more than Kentucky 31. And the time to plant them, honestly, is about three weeks from now, which gives us just enough time to go out and round up all the weeds and uh, make things nice and level. If you need to add some topsoil and till it in, you got time to do that. And by early September, out goes the seed and in goes the water, and Barry is going to be a happy man in October. Could you educate me on how I uh, prepared the soil? So I'll round up all the weeds, which yeah. is going to be a lot of spraying. Yeah. But um, then what do I do to uh, till the soil? If you're, if you're like Clark Howard, you know that he is real big on investing for the future. You know, put a little money in now, a little money in later, and pretty soon you have a big payoff. The little bit of money that you invest now in tilling the soil where you're going to plant the lawn is going to pay off for decades in healthy fescue grass. So the be- as best you can, Barry... Get some topsoil, or if your soil you think is pretty soft already, loosen it. Get a tiller out there, rent one of those great big tillers from the rental store, and go out there and just till the stew out of it, rake it smooth, and then plant the seed on top of that. You're very helpful. I appreciate it, sir. If you want all this written down, Barry, you can go to my website and just type in fescue seed. That's all you have to type. And I have a page devoted to all the things to do to prepare and to plant and to water and to fertilize and to lime and to do all that kind of stuff. It's time. You still have time to do a soil test. And so you can do that in the meantime before you plant. So you've got a whole you're positioned perfectly right now to have a beautiful fescue lawn. Thank you so much, Walter. You bet, Barry. Thanks for calling. Bye now. Comes now, Miss Mary Sue from Dunwoody, Georgia, with a question about her poinsettias. Hey, Mary Sue, good morning. Good morning. I have a poinsettia that I've had for probably five or six years, about three foot tall. I need some suggestions to make that little guy bloom. I have put it every fall in a bedroom that is not used in front of a west-facing window. Uh I get nothing. Uh, This past (laughs) winter, finally about February, I got about three little bitty red leaves, and they were on new growth. I thought the old growth is the... What is what turned red? Nope. What am I doing wrong? New growth is what turns red, and what you're doing incorrectly. I try not to say wrong, but uh, (laughs) what you could improve your technique on doing is it has to be in complete, absolute, utter darkness for at least 10 hours, 12 would be better, each day before it will make blooms, and the blooms are little yellow pod kind of things right at the tips of the branches and those blooms will cause it then to make new growth at the tips of the branch which will be red usually for the poinsettia color but that is the key and you start the process you're perfectly right on the on the calendar to start this mary sue you start it around the middle around the first couple of weeks in september oh that early yeah that early Okay. That'll give us a nice poinsettia for Thanksgiving and maybe Christmas this year. But what you do is uh, we make sure you have a good fertility program. Don't slack up on fertilizing it. Uh, miracle Grow works fine. Make sure you fertilize according to the label. And have a cardboard box in that bedroom, the unused bedroom, where you keep it. So every day, 12 hours a day, underneath the box it goes. So it's completely dark, which stimulates it if you bring it out into bright light. It simulates to make new growth, the flowers form, and the new growth then turns red, and you have these pretty red bracts for the holiday season. So it's got to be darker than just natural 
daylight, nighttime kind of thing. I've got to put a box over it or something to make it black dark. It has to be so dark that in poinsettia uh, production greenhouses, they actually have uh, guards around the greenhouse to make sure cars don't pass by and rake their headlights across the top of the greenhouse because just a little bit of light will interrupt the bloom-making process, and it could ruin wow. thousands and thousands of poinsettias inside the greenhouse. So they not only have blackout curtains they put over the greenhouse, over the plants inside during the night, but they also have a guard to make sure cars don't accidentally you know, drive down the driveway mm-hmm. and put light into the greenhouse. It's got to be dark. Okay, I need a big box. That's right. Okay, okay, thank you very much. You bet, Mary Sue. Thanks for calling. Bye. The pride of Sugar Hill. Beta calls us this morning with a question about uh, dwarf bananas. Beta, hey, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm well, how can I help? Um, I've got a uh, couple of questions. Uh, one is about the... Um, um, uh, the uh, dwarf uh, banana plant. I have it in a plant container. Yeah, going very well, but it's got a lot of baby ones around it. Good, and it's getting to a point that the container is, is going to outgrow the container. <laughs> all the baby ones. Is there any way I can safely uh, separate the baby ones uh, without hurting the the main plant? Yeah, it's easy. Um, sometimes you can do it in the container. Sometimes I have to tip the container on its side and pull the pot away so I can really see where the roots are going. But what I use is a little serrated bread knife. It's about blade is about 10 inches long with serrations along the end. And I can feel, if I go into the soil, I can feel how that baby sucker on the side of the mother plant is growing. And I take my little knife and go saw, 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 and saw it away, bring some roots along with it and plant it in another container, and within a week or so it's growing vigorously, and now I have two, three, four, five, if you take other suckers away, and that's how you reduce the size of the mother plant and have new baby banana plants as well. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I have another question regarding my pear tree. Yes. Um, it's going very well, and uh, but this year it made so many little fruits that it's bearing down on the branches. Oh, the sure. branches are falling off. And and uh, I was afraid uh, that uh, and then it's made a lot of tiny ones, not really big ones. Uh, How can I prevent this from happening? Make a note in your calendar. Make a note in the calendar next May sometime would be a good time to do this. Late April, early May. Remove fruit, and this will break your heart when you do it. But there will be lots and lots of little bitty, big as your thumb, fruit on that pear tree. Remove enough fruit so that there's only about four to six inches between individual fruits. That'll be a bucket load of little green pears you're pulling off the tree. But if you'll space it so there's only four to six inches between the fruit in early May, then the fruit that's left on the tree will develop as large, big as your fist, nice, juicy, and it'll be great. But the thing is that you have to do is called thinning, and thinning is done around the first week of uh, May, usually every year. So thin it well, four to six inches between fruit, job done, you got pears. That won't break down the tree, and you'll have nice, big, juicy pears to eat. Thanks for calling, Beta. we got to get out of here at 748, and we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. I am pretty sure that today's forecast will appeal to both plants and humans. Your plants are going to love the 60% chance of getting rained on today. And the humans are going to love the high temperature is in the... Yes, high 80s today, not the 90s. Tonight, both plants and humans will be pleased with the overnight lows in the low 70s. And your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Ashley Frasca is thinking of a number between 2 and 7. 2 and 7 to determine who wins a pair of tickets to see Rick Springfield in concert August the 28th. at Chastain Park Amphitheater produced by Live Nation and a McDonald's $20 arch car we're going to see rick springfield we're going to be fed beforehand if you know the lucky caller number caller number three caller number three to our contest line 404-741-0750 404-741-0750 caller number three gary is in duluth georgia and joins us on lana garden gary hey man good hey. morning hey walter uh, good morning really enjoy your show well thank you uh I replaced, I had about a 16 or 17 year old massive Tuscarora crepe myrtle in front of my house. Yeah. I lost it a couple of years ago mm. and I replaced it with another one. It was uh, out of about a 15 gallon container. Got it. It's doing fine, but these little suckers keep growing at the bottom. <laughs> and I'm wondering <laughs> if it's from the crepe myrtle they dug out, the big one. Oh, man. Or I, I've done, I, I dig them out, they come back, and I, I was wondering if I could put some plastic on the base of it. And maybe come out about six inches from the existing crepe myrtle. Would that be safe? Or I'm just trying to figure out. I, I'm so tired of digging these things out. Yeah, boy, that's going to be tough. I mean, the only real way to tell, I guess, is to carefully dig around and see if these new sprouts are actually attached to the one you use for a replacement, or if they indeed are coming from the root system of the one you lost. Right. I don't think there's any better way to do things. They just have to dig around and see where the sprouts are coming from. I think it's from the the big one because that thing was humongous, okay. and I guess they didn't get it all. Yeah. And I guess yeah. even though they dug it out, I guess the roots still can live, yeah. right? Yep, that's uh, true. And the bad news is that I don't think plastic is going to do anything at all to deter the sprouts from coming up. Okay. And I'm okay. very cautious about saying anything about spraying herbicide because I'm scared that the new one will have grafted onto the roots of the old one. And if I say exactly. put Roundup on it, then the Roundup is liable to travel backwards through the old one, old sprouts up into the new one, and then you lost that big pretty one that you have now. Well, you're, you're reading my mind because that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. But one more quick question. I've noticed on the one that I lost that the roots kind of washed out at the bottom. Yeah. And, and I've noticed on some crepe myrtles that you'll see at the, at the base where there's a solid, you know, where dirt goes up to it. But some, the one I lost, had washed out at the bottom. And I lost another one that uh, had washed out at the bottom. What causes that, the dirt to just, you know, where you can stick your finger down in there and there, you, all you got is roots? Um, just is. <laughs> I don't have a better explanation than that, Gary. Sometimes things just happen that way. I've seen the same thing. That things just seem to have get excavated underneath, and that's just the way it happens sometimes. I don't have a better explanation than that. It's 7.58. This is Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after news. Do, do, do.